Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. You know my story with Jonathan Conrath. I've told it often enough in the last month or so, but um, met him at a conference, heard him speak at a conference in uh, the Isle of Man, said, I got to get this guy to Ireland. Stalked him the next morning. He didn't know that until I told him yesterday. Stalked him the next morning um, and uh, found a seat beside him, had a coffee, chatted about coming to Ireland, and um, which he, we found out then that his mom was born in Portadown, so he's a bit of an Irish man anyway. And I said, it was about time you come to Ireland. And uh, he was excited about that. And then that thing called COVID hit. Anybody remember that? Um, and that wiped us out for a couple of years. And then here we are. And Jonathan is a busy man. You'll know this. He travels the world. He's been an evangelist for 35 years. So he's difficult enough to kneel down. Um, but literally about five, six weeks ago, we had a weekend cancellation where a church had put it into the new year. And um, when he texted me, I thought, like all our elders, we thought, it's pretty short time. Don't know whether that's going to work or not. Let's do it. So, uh, <laughs> and that's what we've done. So, um, we're excited to have him. He's going to be up shortly. Jenny's coming. Jenny's part of his team. And then there's two guys, Kirk and um, just Justin. They're over in Portadown this morning. You'll not miss Kirk tonight. He's six foot five. And uh, he looks like a Norwegian. Please don't tell him I said that. Is he? And uh, his nickname is Thor. So you look out for Thor tonight. Um, I've said whatever we're playing, whatever we're playing this weekend, him and Alex are in my team. So uh, Jenny, give your, put your hands together and welcome Jenny as she comes up. Oh, Jenny's young, can jump the step. Great to be here with you. Um, it is, I love Northern Ireland. <laughs> Um, so happy to be here. I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. So I grew up in, in the borders in Scotland, um, out in the middle of nowhere, sheep for next door neighbors, in a family that, um, you know, my mom would always say, you're Christian, we're Christians. But actually, there wasn't very much of Christ in there at all. And my idea of church was kind of like, it wasn't like this, let's just say. It was kind of like, a miserable man in a cold building speaking for a long time about nothing that seemed relevant. And so I grew up, let's just say I didn't have a positive idea of God. I didn't think about him too much. And when I did, I, I, you know, it was somehow a negative thing. He's kind of out to get me or something. But when I was, um, when I was eight, nearly nine, my family decided to go to a Christian holiday camp, and my mom kind of explained it like this. It'll be a little bit like church, but all week. <laughs> now, you can imagine that I wasn't exactly thrilled <laughs> at the idea, you know. So I kind of go like they've wrecked the whole summer holiday thing for us. And I turn up, and I find myself in a kid's tent. It's this big marquee tent. But when I went in there, something was very different. Because all the other kids of my kind of age, they seemed to love this Jesus. And they were nice kids. 
And like some of these kids, they seem to speak in different languages, like not English or even Scottish. <laughs> and it's like, and then they're like praying for people, like kids are praying for people and people are getting healed on the spot. And they spoke about, they, they sang songs. I remember one song, I'm sure you'll know it, there's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, I didn't understand all of the gospel message, but when they sang about the blood of Jesus, there was a presence of love and power in the room. And for me at eight years old, I knew that I was meeting with God. And he was nothing like I thought that he was like. And, and, and you know, I, nobody seemed to be telling me what to do or something, you know, just had to be at the meeting at the right time and it was lots of fun and games and songs and this and that. But, but I knew I found what life is all about. And I remember I would run around the, camp, the campground and maybe I had to like carry a gallon of water or something like that. And I was so happy because I discovered this is what life is about. But the problem was that when I went home, I didn't know what to do with that. It's like I'd met with God, but I kind of left him behind at the camp. I, it wasn't that I didn't want him. It wasn't that I turned back to some life of sin or something deliberately. I simply didn't know what to do. And I had a few experiences like that as a kid and, and then for years lived with, just I could say, without God. To the level that I was so far from God that I didn't even know if he was there. And I remember thinking one day, you know, is God really there? And, and yet at the same time I'm thinking it, my conscience tells me I'm wrong to even question it. But I was so far from God and, and yet I called myself a Christian because that's what I'd been told when I was a kid. But I remember in my high school one day, and I just think to myself, I'm not sure most teenagers think this, but, but I was thinking this just, I think I just turned 16. And I, and I think to myself, what do I have that somebody that's not a Christian doesn't have? And I worked out, I had some kind of set of rules I tried to live like everybody else. I had a book I didn't read and a building I didn't go to. And that actually, if I was to be sat in a room by myself, I had absolutely nothing. And in that moment when I realized I didn't have it, you know, it was kind of hard to admit. But at the same time, it changed everything. Because when I was willing to admit that despite all I said I believed, I didn't have the reality of relationship with Jesus. Do you know what happened? I was able to begin to search for it. Now, I can't tell you all about the search because, you know, I would take up all John's time. And I'm not here for that. But I will simply say this. I thought I had to be good enough. And I spent a year trying to be good enough. And it didn't get me any closer to God. But I decided when I'd almost given up hope that I could ever know this God of love that I'd met as a kid. My family were going to a, a camp thing. In fact, they'd been the year before and I hadn't been with them. I'd stayed back to look after some animals. But... But um, I decided I'm going to go. And it was almost like this is the last opportunity that I have that just possibly I might find God. Well, to cut a long story short, I didn't respond to altar calls because I had my reason. They said, if you're a Christian, you know, if you're not a Christian, come forward. And I said, I am one, so I won't respond to that. 
you know, and then they said, if you've ever loved God more than you do today, and I said to myself, I want him more than I ever have in my life, so that's not me either. The truth of it is, I was really just pretty afraid of what people thought, and I nearly missed it. But thank God for a lady that stood next to me, and she simply prayed for me. She wasn't speaking to me. She was praying for me. But as she's praying for me, she's saying stuff about my life that I'm like, not even my family know that. And I sensed the presence of God that I'd missed for so many years. And as I did, I realized this, Jesus is here and he's alive. And then as she's just continuing to pray, not having a clue what's going on with me, I realized if he's alive, that means he died for my sin. And in that moment where for the first time I think I really realized he paid for my sin, that was enough for the presence of God to come in and change everything. And he really did begin to change everything. You know, I could talk for so much of what he's done, changing me from the inside out, and he continues to, and he will continue to until I see him face to face. And I thank God for that, that I don't have to stay the same. And you know what? So many adventures in God. You know, I, how wrong I was as a kid, thinking that God was a boring somebody out there to get me, when he's the very purpose and all the enjoyment in life. You know, I've traveled to Africa. I've traveled to Latin America. I've, I've been there with guys with spears. I've run away from elephants. I've shared the gospel. I've seen the blind sea. I've seen people that can't walk properly walking. And so many things that I've seen. God is so much better than anything else. But you know the best thing of all? It's him himself. It's not the miracles he does and all the, all the exciting adventures, which are very real. But it's to know him. It's to know his love. It's simply that this, we were made to know him. And in him is my life. And in him is your life too. Come on. Give her. Thanks, Billy. Thank you. Great. I'm not going to venture that big step and make a fool of myself. Um, Father, thank you for Jonathan. Thank you for uh, meeting him. Thank you for his passion for the gospel. Thank you for the call of the cross that's on his life. And just pray that you'll bless him and encourage him that he ministers to us today. Um, of course, that you will minister to him as well. So bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, look for the sake of saving time here. Can we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's such a joy to be here. And uh, actually, talking about Portadown, my mum is from Portadown. So um, I was uh, raised in England, but um, it was such a joy to, to go for the first time for me in, in Portadown just yesterday. So it was just great to stand outside St. Mark's, which actually is the church that my, uh, yeah, that my mum was uh, was raised in, and um, and that my grandfather was the superintendent of the children's work for many many years. I just discovered that yesterday, um, but it was great just to stand there, and uh, I couldn't resist it. They told me, my mum told me that actually for 300 years, I don't know if it still happens today, but for 300 years the gospel was preached every Saturday afternoon on the steps of St. Mark's, and so I thought to myself, well, I think that's a tradition worth 
uh, kicking off again. So, uh, so we just preached the gospel uh, outside the church there and had the joy of leading a young fella to the Lord. So it was just, uh, it was just good. So let's just pray for a few moments and we'll get straight into the word. Father, we thank you so much for your presence here. We thank you that your spirit is at work in our lives, in your church, in this nation. And Father God, here this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would draw near to each one. We thank you that you are here in this place. We pray, Father God, that for those who need a touch from you, Lord, in in their mental health, in physical healing, in whichever area it might be, maybe their relationships. Draw near and touch them, Lord, today. I pray, Father God, most of all, that not one person will leave this place without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Jenny, I wonder if you could do me a favor. In my jacket there, in the right-hand top pocket, I have my phone. Thank you. Bless you. Just for the sake of time here, I know the, the way that church can be sometimes. And uh, my dad was a pastor, so, you know, church meetings can get carried away at the end. And so, and parents collecting kids and all of that. And so, because of that, while I was sitting here um, during the worship, I felt the Lord drop some words of knowledge into my heart. So, uh, I don't want to miss them uh, at the end of a, a busy meeting. So, what I'm going to do right now is just I'm going to read out some words and uh, as I read out these words, if this is you, when we get to the end of it, I'll tell you what, because some of these words are a little bit personal, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand at the end of the words, uh, so then somebody, you know, people won't know uh, what particular word you're responding to, um, just for, to cover you, just for your own sake. Um, all right, so that's what we're going to do. And what we'll do then is we'll ask for the people around you just to lay a hand in you. And I'm going to pray from the front here. I'm just going to pray for God to touch you and heal you. These are healing words particularly. And, uh, and so I just need to, to do this. All right, so there is, I believe it's a gentleman, and there is metal in your arm. I do believe it's your left arm. From an accident, you've been getting pain down that arm. And, uh, and the Lord wants to heal you this morning. There is uh, there's someone here who has many as disease, where actually, again, it's a, an infection in your ear. Uh, at times, it makes you feel sort of like as if the whole room is spinning. Um, but the Lord wants to heal you of that. Uh, there's somebody here with inflammation in the tail end of the spine, the tail end of the spine. I forgot what they call that, but uh, you'll know if it's you and, uh, and you're sitting on it. Um, someone has quite severe sinusitis. And uh, as you know, this is something that really has been a repetitive thing for you winter by winter. Uh, the Lord wants to heal you. A gallbladder condition here. Uh, you've, you've actually been contemplating uh, in the last few weeks going to have the gallbladder out from stones. But I believe that Jesus will heal you today. Uh, two men who's been suffering with uh, an enlarged prostate. Uh, and actually, there's, uh, you're undergoing tests for cancer. Uh, some with a left shoulder injury. Um, some with a blood disorder. You'll know exactly who you are. There is a gentleman who had an alcoholic issue. You're not addicted to alcohol anymore, but it had such an effect on your life. It affected your liver. So you do suffer at times with, it, with a liver condition. And God in his grace just wants to heal and restore that. I really felt that, uh, that I believe it's a girl, um, and you have suffered with depression repeatedly over the last three months. Um, and in recent weeks have contemplated suicide. Some of this is to do with broken relationship, and the Lord wants to heal you and release you and fill your heart with hope and purpose for living. 
Uh, there's someone who's swelling under their right arm, like a swelling under their right arm. Uh, it's particular, I believe it's a, a, a lady with a, a condition in your left hip. And someone who had a recent car accident, you've been suffering with whiplash. And but being put a bit of pressure into your head. So I'm going to ask if you are any one of those words, could you just stand up for a moment right where you are? You are here. Please do stand up. It's amazing sometimes you read out. I, I, I remember one meeting, I read out eight prophetic words. It's all eight, sorry, eight words of knowledge. And one person stood up and I thought to myself, surely I've missed it until they came forward. And, and every single one of those words was that one dear person, bless them. It happens. Okay, so anybody else who needs to stand up, please don't uh, come at the end and say, oh, that was me. In the experience of 35 years, this has been sort of like 99.9% .9 accurate. So please do stand. And Jesus wants to heal you where you are. Okay. I'm going to ask right now that uh, those around the people who are standing can just, just stand up and put a hand on them. There is a power that flows through the body of Christ called healing. The flow through, it's the life of Christ in us. And when we lay hands on people in faith, in Jesus' name, healing can flow into their body and restore them and make them whole. There's a, a precious lady at the back here. Just needs somebody to stand by her there. I just rest a hand on her. Be in faith. Welcome the Holy Spirit, his presence and power on them. Okay? We're just honoring his presence. He's already here. And whenever you're ready, ask them what it is they want healing for. And then, uh, as they tell you, then just pray blessing and pray healing and give a command of faith. We see in the New Testament, it's only about a couple of times Jesus ever prays for healing for anybody. Nearly all the healing that he does and the apostles do is by a command of faith or by prophetic actions or deliverance or all that. But most times it's a, it's, a, it's a spoken command of faith. So whenever you're ready, just speak to it. Command the condition to be healed and give a bit of time for the Spirit of God to manifest in them and then encourage them to do what they couldn't do before if it's that kind of a thing, all right? Let's just pray. Church, just be in agreement with these folks as they're praying. Amen? There's power when the church agrees. So, Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus for these precious people. We bless them in Jesus' name. Command these infirmities to go in Jesus' name. Be healed. Totally healed. Pain, go in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, your healing mercy and power to flow through their bodies, raise them up, make them whole, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, dissolve the metal and restore the bone in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, God, I command that uh, any stones in that gallbladder would dissolve and let inflammation come down in Jesus' name. Let the whiplash injury be healed. Cancer be healed in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your healing power and mercy flowing through each one to restore them and make them whole. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, bless you, Father. Bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory. Well, you can carry on praying for a few moments until you feel you're through, and I'm going to carry on preaching. Okay, are we ready? We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you're there already, and uh, I'm going to do my best to kind of preach this in 15, 20 minutes. You believe in miracles, now's the time to pray. There we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, okay. I want to preach to you on the power of the cross, and the reason I, I'm doing this is I believe with all of my heart that we are right um, and right across the UK right now, and I believe this with all of my heart for Northern Ireland, 
and I believe it for Emmanuel, that actually we are right at the beginnings of a significant move of God. And I want to encourage you, the Lord is reviving His church. He is purifying His church. He is stirring up His church. And, and, in, and in that, He is also bringing us back to the centrality of the gospel. You know, it's great that we show compassion to hurting people in practical ways. We are called to be salt and light to the world. It's a great thing to do. It's important that we minister to the sick. It's important that we expect signs and wonders to accompany the preaching of the Word. And when we minister to people, do you know if you've gone through grief, if you've gone through pain, and all of that kind of stuff, and there's been disappointments, can I really encourage you? I remember going through some of that myself. And there can be such a, um, we have to be very careful because we live in a spiritual environment. It's important to remember that. There is never a moment of our lives where our lives are not interconnecting with the spiritual world. And the decisions and the choices we make about things when we go through them can affect us for a long time spiritually. And when I can remember putting a dear friend's little daughter in, in the grave, and I, man, some of the pain of all that. I remember losing my first child and stuff like that. And it affected me, and in the grief, and the grief opened up a door to the spirit of unbelief. And suddenly, even though it's part of my calling and ministering healing, I started to see less and less healings because unbelief had come in on the tail end of grief. And I actually had to get set free of that. And when I got set free of that, suddenly it was like my, my whole internal life began to just open up and breathe again. My faith began to breathe again. And the miracle started flowing again. And so it's a really important issue, that one. But you know, the thing is, is that the miracles are great. And the prophetic is great. And the compassion and kindness to people are great. But actually neither is the centrality of the gospel. Because right in the center of it all is the message of the cross of Christ. And that's what gives purpose. That which gives meaning to all the rest. And Jesus is bringing his church right back to the centrality of the message of the gospel to get it out there. The message itself is the power of God to save, heal, and deliver everyone who believes is the literal Greek. Romans 1.16, Paul the Apostle says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to save everyone who believes. I always feel that when people are ashamed of the gospel, it's because they've lost the, the revelation of the power of it. And that's why they're ashamed because they've, they've lost sight of its power. But Paul says the message itself is the power of God to save. When we come over to 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says the word of the cross or the message of the cross is the power of God. And so what we're going to do today in these next kind of 15 minutes or so is that we're going to look just at four things that Jesus accomplished for us through the cross of Christ, through his death and through his resurrection. We know that before he died, he predicted his own death and his own resurrection at least three times before he went to the cross. And his resurrection, of course, substantiated everything he said about himself. And so there are many more things than four that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, but in this morning we've only got a bit of time, so we're just going to touch on four of them. So first of all, we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. And this is what it says. God made him who knew no sin, 
to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. How awesome is that? What an amazing divine exchange somebody called it. I sometimes say to people on the streets when explaining and sharing the gospel with them, I say, just imagine for a moment that you were in debt by, say, I don't know, 10, 20,000 pounds, and I was a multimillionaire. And I said, come with me to the lawyer's office, and we'll sign a document whereby all my millions become yours and all your debt becomes mine. In financial terms, that's the gospel of Christ. I said, actually, he paid the penalty as if he had lived our sinful lives, and we received the gift of his righteousness as if we had lived his perfect life. And we have that standing before God. What an amazing divine exchange. And how far does that go? Remember, the gospel itself is the power of God to save. I think we, all of us go through a temptation to explain the gospel. You know, but actually, Jesus didn't call us to explain it, but to preach it. The gospel is its own power. I had the privilege of knowing the great American evangelist T.L. Osborne a little bit. And you know, he was, he was a remarkable character, led millions to Christ around the world. And I can remember him telling us that the first time he went to preach the gospel in Nepal, in Buddhist Nepal, he said there were 20,000 people in an open field. And as he preached, he did, because it was the first time that the gospel had ever been preached in Nepal in a mass crowd, he thought, I better do a really good job of explaining the gospel from beginning to end. So he almost did a Genesis to Revelation to them. But he went through all the detail of explaining the gospel. And then at the end, he gave an appeal. But not one person responded. There was just like a, a, a slow ripple of laughter that went over the crowd of 20,000. Now, a man like T.L. Osborne, who saw so many miracles and so many millions come to Christ, this was an absolute shock to him. He went back to his hotel room, and he lay before the Lord, and he sobbed. How did I miss it, Father? Where did I go wrong, he said. Suddenly the voice of the Lord came to him and said, T.L., I didn't call you to explain the gospel. I called you to preach it. He said, the gospel is its own power. Go out there tomorrow and preach the message and let me confirm it. The next day he stood before them and he just preached a simple message of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised again from the dead and he was seen. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And as he preached it, suddenly thousands of Buddhists began to point up into the clouds that were over the, uh, over the field. And they all began to shout, who is the man in white walking in the clouds? Who is the man in white? And they all looked up and Jesus had manifested himself and was walking through the clouds. And tens of thousands surrendered their lives to Christ. In the years that followed, he, in 75 nations, he never did a public meeting where Jesus didn't appear in one of those meetings. And I, I can remember preaching to a, a vast crowd in Rwanda in East Africa one time. Just the same kind of situation. And a dear blind woman starts to come forward to the front. She's a very black African. She suddenly takes the mic. And in the middle of, of this field, she begins to... She just began to start declaring what Jesus had done for her. And the crowd went crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen an African crowd celebrate. 
Let me just say, they are not middle-class Englishmen. They, you know, they really know how to celebrate. And they jump up and down and praise God. Her face looked like you're taking one of these bright lights and put it on inside. Her face is radiating with God's glory and power. And this, I didn't understand Kiro Andan, so I asked the interpreter, but this is her story. She was brought to the meeting by friends. She was blind in both of her eyes. And as we pray over the crowd, she suddenly sees a man dressed in white standing in front of her. And she knew it was Jesus. And a sensation of heat went through her body and her blind eyes were opened and she could see again. That's our Jesus. Do you know that same Jesus is here today? Amen. He's here in Lurgan. He doesn't change from place to place, from city to city or town to town, but he wants us to believe. And you know, when Jesus died on the cross for us, he was making everything of his kingdom available to us. Through the years, we've had the joy of seeing people come to Christ all the way from the extremes of people who have been in the IRA. And we saw lots of those come to the Lord down in Dublin, giving their life to Jesus. We've seen terrorists come to Christ, you know, Islamic terrorists and and mercenaries and people like that. All the way over to lawyers and doctors and government leaders and everybody in between. But the thing is, is, essentially, every human being has the same need. We all need to know the love of the Father. We all need to know that we're loved, that our sins are forgiven, that we have a certainty that when we take our last breath that we'll go to heaven. We all need community. We were made for that. We all need a job, a purpose to get up in the morning, and we all need a relationship with God. That's when God created man in the beginning. He gave him those three things. He gave him a job to do, a community in which to live, and a relationship with himself. And whenever any one of those goes wrong, something goes wrong in somebody's life. But let me say to you today that Jesus is here for each and every one of us, regardless of your background. It's amazing when you see people, some who have just committed the most unbelievable atrocities, but come to Christ and now are pastors. We've seen that a number of times around the world. You know something, Jesus really does change lives. He forgives sins and he makes us new people on the inside. So number one, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Christ became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Number two, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, that by his wounds we were healed. That not only did he bear our sins, but he even carried our sicknesses and diseases. And that means that healing is available for you and me today. My own grandfather, who was a military man, a regimental sergeant major in the British Army, he was uh, radically, his life was radically changed after, you know, he had been suffering with terrible bleeding. Um, he was a wealthy man by that time, and uh, as his actually in his early 70s, he ended up having to go to the doctors because he was a wealthy man. He got to a private hospital, quick attention. They took an x-ray of his bowel. They showed it was shredded by cancer. But you know, he was prayed for in the name of Jesus. And following that, he went back. It was the Wednesday night he had the diagnosis. They wanted to get him in on Saturday where they said, we're going to have to cut out a chunk of your bowel and you're going to have to live with a colostomy for the rest of your life, a bag on the side. But you know something, he was prayed for, all the bleeding stopped, and he went in and he demanded another x-ray before they put him under the knife. You know, the consultant knew my granddad, and he said to him, Roy, don't give me any of this God stuff. You know, this is your life. But my grandfather, he just looked at him and he said, listen, I'm paying 
He said, so I demand another x-ray. So uh, sure enough, they sent him down. But when the x-ray came back, they said to him, this can't be the same man. You know, they must have mixed it up with somebody else. We're sending you back for another x-ray, and this one's on us. <laughs> and when he came back, they showed him again the diagnosis x-ray, showing a shredded bowel, and the one after prayer showed a brand new bowel. Do you know, that's our Jesus. And the consultant looked at him, and he said to him, you know, Roy, you haven't had any treatment at all, and bowel cancer doesn't do this. But nonetheless, I've got to do the medical thing, and I've got to see you once every six weeks for six years. But you know, it never came back. He was totally healed by the power of God. That's our Jesus, amen? So we praise God that the miracles have been made available to us because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We do see also point number three, that there is freedom available to us because of the cross of Christ. Real freedom. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 tells us that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Do you know, a number of years ago in Malvern, in, in the Midlands in England, in the West Midlands, I was doing a youth meeting. Before I went to do the meeting, I was in prayer, and the Holy Spirit showed me a young girl who actually had, had lots of all kind of a cut marks over her wrists and everything. And the Lord just said to me, this young girl has shed blood in ritual sacrifice and witchcraft. And I want her to know that my blood is more powerful than any blood that she has shed, and I will set her free. Well, I'd been asked to preach at this youth conference on the power of the blood of Jesus. And I stood and I preached on that. And sure enough, this girl came down the front. She was dressed all in black. And uh, they don't all, you know, you know that witches don't always go around with big pointy hats and all of that kind of stuff. But the fact about it is she's all dressed in black. Her hair was all black. She's all shaved by the side and thick black makeup. And I lost count of all the earrings and all kinds of places and all the rest of it. But the fact about it was, it wasn't so much about what she's wearing and, and, and all the makeup. That wasn't really got, what got my attention. What got my attention was the darkness in her eyes and all of the pain in her eyes. Well, some of the guys in the team began to pray for her, and she started manifesting demons. And she's screaming, and she's shaking around, but she's not getting free. So after a while, I thought I'd stick my oar in. So I stepped in, I asked the team to step back, and I stood next to her for a bit, and I just waited for her to calm down a little. And then, I, then she starts calming down a little. She's still a bit shaky. I put my hand out to her, and I said, hi there. I said, uh, what's your name? Well, she looks at me. She's really scowling, and she tells me her name. And uh, I said, well, I'm John. Nice to meet you. And she just scowled a bit back at me. I said, can I ask what your problem is? And she looked at me and she says, what my problem is, don't you understand I'm a witch? I looked and I said, yes, yes, I, I understand that. I said, but what's your real problem? She looks at me, and, and, and I'm on heroin as well. I've got heroin here right now. I said, please don't raise your voice. We'll have the police dead on us. Just... I said, that's not your real problem. I said, I want to know what your real problem is. She said, what do you mean? Don't you understand? I said, I, yes, I, I do understand. Yes, you're a heroin addict and you are into witchcraft. I said, but look, I said, none of that is your real issue. What I want to know is what really got you into that in the first place. That's your real issue. She suddenly turned away from me and, and she scowled and she said, I'll never forgive him. I said, who? She said, my dad. 
Right up to the age of 16, he repeatedly abused me, physically, sexually, verbally. He said when I was 16, as soon as I could, I ran away from home. I got involved in, in all kinds of, in the heavy rock scene. And late one night, he said, in a, in a concert, they took me. And while I was high on drugs, they, they, you know, and I was induced in all of this stuff. They just, they took me and introduced me into the witch's coven. She said, I have voices in my head. I'm suicidal and life is hell. I said, right. I said, listen, I'm really sorry for what you've been through. But can I say to you, God is not like a father. He is a father. And he's a loving father. He's not like your dad was, who obviously had his own problems. He wouldn't have done what he did. But you know, forgiveness. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins and even for the sins committed against us. And that's why the cross is the only place where we can really find true closure. Can you accept the blood of Jesus, not only for your own sins, but even for the price paid for the sins your father committed against you? She scowled and shouted back at me, no, I'll never do it. Well, after a bit, it was a week-long conference, and uh, actually Derek Prince was there as a main speaker. I was leading worship for it, and I thought, well, it's quite something to come from the Witches' Covenant into a Derek Prince deliverance meeting. But anyway, she's there, and um, she... Eventually, she lets me pray for her, for God to give her grace to help her. Now, the thing is with forgiveness is that the Lord will help us, but he won't make the decision for us. We have to make that decision. And so she let me pray. She still manifested a bit, but I, I left her to it. Anyway, we came to the last night of that conference. I remember I, I put my guitar down to the side, and I was just sorting out some of the leads and bits and pieces. I'm just about to get off the platform. Suddenly, this girl comes forward to meet me. And you know, she's wearing colors. Her face is bright, and she's looking beautiful. And she comes up to me. She says, Jonathan, said, I, I just wanted to come and say thank you. And I couldn't recognize her, to be honest. And so I said to um, yeah, great, no problem. I said, you mean you enjoyed the worship? She said, well, yes, I did. But and then she paused and she said, don't you recognize me? I, I said, forgive me, you, you do look familiar, but I can't quite place you. She said, I am. And then she paused and she said, I was. The witch, you remember five days ago? I looked, I said, you, wow. I said, what a transformation. I said, you've got to tell me the story. She said, well, after you prayed for me, she said, some of the girls befriended me, and they took me back to their caravan, and, and they prayed with me. And she said, it took a long time to invite Christ into my life. Every time I said the name of Jesus, I screamed out another demon. But she said, after 40 minutes, eventually, I managed to pray the prayer of salvation, and Jesus came into my heart. She said, and then the most amazing thing happened. She said, when I forgave my father, all the voices in my head instantly stopped. And I've had no drive in me anymore for heroin either. I'm totally free. Do you know, three months later, she wrote a letter to me and she said, thank you so much for praying for me at the camp at Malvern. She said, you know, when I came to that camp, I was saying to God, this is your only opportunity to do something in my life. If you don't meet with me on this camp and change my life, I'm going to take my life. She said, but since that day when we prayed and I've given my life to the Lord, she said, life has never been so well worth living. That's our Jesus, praise God. He really does set people free.
So I want to encourage you today, if you've been hurt, if you've been abused, if you've been wounded, there's a place of healing for you today. There's a place of freedom for you today because of what Jesus did on the cross. The door has been opened whereby we can receive forgiveness and we can give forgiveness and we can find what the Bible calls the glorious freedom of the children of God. I want to close with this last point. In Hebrews chapter 2, I'm just going to turn there and read it straight out. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, the writer to the Hebrews says these amazing words. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I think that the fear of death is probably the greatest fear of humanity. And behind it, the fear of rejection by God. But can I say to you today, God loved you and loved me so much that he came to us in the person of his son, Jesus. He bridged the gap. He paid for our sins. And that means today we don't have to be afraid of that final day when we take our last breath. Jesus said, he who believes in me shall not see death, but will have everlasting life. Years ago, I, I read a book, and uh, you can still get it on Amazon today. It's a great book called The Final Frontier. It's the, it's the stories of 12 people, 12 believers, who in many different circumstances died and came back to life again. Hey, do you know what's really interesting? Some of them was in accidents, some of them on the operating table. But you know what's really interesting with every single one of them? Every single one of them was taken out of their body before the accident happened, before they took their last breath, and they saw their body there. People who didn't know Jesus saw the spirit of death coming for them. Do you know death is more than an event? It's a spirit. The Bible tells us in Revelation that death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. You don't cast an event into the lake of fire. So here's the thing. People who don't know Christ will see the spirit of death coming for them. And it's got a claim on them because of sin. But because Jesus paid for our sins, the Bible says we won't see death coming for us. We'll see Jesus coming for us to welcome us home into the family. I want to say to this to you, brothers and sisters, look, if you're in this place today, and actually you say, well, John, you know, maybe well, I, I went to church all my life, but, you know, I, last thing I checked, you know, when you go to McDonald's, it doesn't make you a hamburger. <laughs> when you go sit in the garage, it doesn't make you a car. And let me say, being in a church doesn't make you a Christian. You need to give your life to Christ. You need a relationship with Jesus. This is eternal life. And if you believe he's God's son, that he died for your sins and rose again, and you confess him as Lord, he'll save you. Oh, there's lots of things I can do for you as a minister of the gospel. I can pray for you. I can give you some wisdom from Scripture, encourage you, pray for your healing, and see Jesus heal you. And do lot. There's lots of wonderful stuff that I can do for you as a minister of God. But there's some things I can't do for you. I can't do your repenting for you. You have the dignity and responsibility of your own decision. 
Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of life. A turning around of direction. Turning from sin to God. I can't do your own believing for you. But if you're going to be saved, you must believe Jesus is God's son, that he died for your sins and rose again. And I can't do your confessing for you. You have to confess that Jesus is Lord yourself if you're going to be saved. And you have to do it before people. Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you honestly said to me, John, I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure my sins are forgiven and that I'm really right with God. Now's your time to receive the gift of his forgiveness and eternal life as you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've been away from God, this is a time to come back to him. The Father's arms are waiting, open for you right now. We're all going to just bow our heads and close our eyes for a few moments together. Let's just do this here in respect of God for a few moments. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, pray this prayer out loud after me. Mean it in your heart. It's important that you do. Because it's your decision at this moment. A decision that has eternal consequences. But nonetheless, your decision. Follow me through the prayer. Those of you who need to recommit your life to the Lord, follow me through the prayer. And everyone else, let's support them in this prayer as we've been there at one point or another in our lives too. Let's say this together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me, that you died for my sins and rose again from the dead. Lord, I believe in you and I give my life to you. Come into my heart. Change my life. Make me your own. I boldly confess that Jesus is Lord and I will love you and serve you as long as I live. Thank you for hearing my prayer and making heaven my home and God my Father from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now guys, before we go any further, we need to take the step that Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. I want to help you to make that step. I've been there myself at one time. And what we're going to do right now is I'm going to count down to three. And if you prayed that prayer for a first time, or you prayed it as a recommitment of your life to Jesus Christ, when I get to the number three, I want you to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. That's what you're doing as you raise that hand. It's going to be a first of two steps. But this is most important that you raise your hand as you say, yes, I pray that prayer. I'm coming to Jesus. I'm recommitting my life to the Lord. Are we ready? When I get to the number three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Just do it right now if that's you. Bless 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 you. Anybody else? You're saying, yes, God bless you, dear. See your hand there. Sorry, the lights are in my eyes. Just trying to see anybody else here. Guys, I'm going to ask us to take another step. I want you to take your boldness in your hands now and stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. If you raised your hand or no, you should have done. Can you stand to your feet right where you are for a moment here? 
and come and make your way forward. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, please, for a few moments. And if you raised your hand and know that you should have done, can you leave where you're standing or sitting and come and join me right here at the front right now? Just come and give them a clap as they come. This takes courage. Well done. Just come. Just come. Just come. God bless you. Well done. Well done. God bless you. God bless you. Well done. That's great. Well done, guys. Well done. Anybody else need to come? If you raise your hand, do you know that you should have done? Just leave where you are and just come and join us. Just come in Jesus' name. We'll wait on you. It's great to see you here. Well done. Bless you, sir. God bless you. Okay, fantastic. Is there anybody else who needs to come? We'll wait on you for a few moments. Can we stand together here in the presence of God? I know we've got, a, we've got an evangelistic service going on tonight, and we're really looking forward to that, expecting the Lord to do many miracles and people's lives to be changed. But you know something? I've led people to Jesus who literally died the next day. And so what I'm about to do right now, I don't do this too often. And sometimes Christians don't like me doing this because they get a little bit embarrassed. But I would so much prefer that I went on until every single person in that room knew for certain they were going to glory one day rather than actually hold back to make the Christians feel comfortable. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you for a moment to turn to your neighbor. Those of you down the front don't need to do this. But those of you who are staying in the congregation right now, turn to your neighbor and ask them this question. Do you need forgiveness? Are you sure you're going to heaven? And if they say, I'm not sure, or I just don't know, say to them, come down to the front with me and let's go together. Now look, if you can't ask that question, in all honesty, you need to be down here yourself. <laughs> so what I'm going to do right now, let's take a moment to love each other enough to ask that all-important question. Why don't you turn to your neighbor now and ask them, are you sure you're going to heaven, that your sins are forgiven? If they say no or I don't know, say, come on, come with me. Let's go down together. And we'll wait for you. Just come. Just come. Jesus is doing a deep work in his church in these days. It's time. It's time to get right with God. It's time to give our lives to Jesus. It's time to let the Holy Spirit do a profound work in our hearts and our lives and get ready. Revival's on the way. The Spirit of God is going to brood upon our land. He's brooding over the land. And He's calling us to surrender at a deeper level perhaps than ever before. I'm going to ask right now, if there's anybody else who needs to come, come and please come quickly. Please come quickly. If you're not sure, just make sure today. Anybody else who needs to come? Bless you. God bless you guys. That's wonderful. Do you know better to be sure, isn't it? Better to be sure. God bless you guys. Anybody else need to come? These last few moments. I'm just going to say right now as we, as we start to wrap up, I'm, I'm going to ask please for our elders, deacons, ministry team, to come and join us down here, please.
to pray for these folks individually. There'll be people here who are giving their life to the Lord for a first time. There'll be others who are recommitting their life to Jesus. And you know, when people recommit their life to the Lord in a meeting like this, we all know it's, I've been there. I'm sure many of us have been there. That actually it's because there's something that's gone wrong. Maybe something wrong morally, some we've been up to no good in one way or another. Maybe it's actually that our getting into God's Word and in prayer that somehow that relationship has gone away. And maybe we've not been connecting with the people of God as we should have been connecting. And we feel at a distance from God. I want to say to you, you are part of the greatest family that exists. The church is not a building. It's people who know and love Jesus and love you too. You have the greatest Father in the universe. He's your heavenly dad and he loves you. And right now your sins are forgiven. He's on your side. He's not against you. He's for you. I want to give you a warm welcome into God's family or a welcome home. I also want to encourage you to get into God's Word, the Bible. I don't want to say to you, read a few verses each day. I want to say, read it like your life depended on it. Because believe me, sometimes it does. I want to encourage you to pray and talk to the Father. You don't need to use religious language. He's your dad and he loves, he loves to hear your voice. Pray to him and talk with him. And he'll talk to you through the Scriptures, the Bible. which is his word, his covenant with you, his love letter to you, his promises to you. And he'll speak to you by the Holy Spirit in line with the Bible. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that's going to be harmful to you or others. It'll only be things that are good for you and good for others. And last of all, can I encourage you, if you've not been baptized in water, the Bible commands it. I don't mean sprinkling like being a baby. You won't find that in the Bible. But the Bible says repent, believe, and be baptized. And if you've not been baptized, have a word with the pastors. They'd love to help you out in doing that. Guys, can we just bow our heads for a few moments? Just going to pray for you and then invite the team just to come and pray for you a bit more personally. Father, we thank you for each one of these precious men and women receiving you or recommitting their lives to you. We bless each one of them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we receive them as you have received us. And today in the mighty name of Jesus, we break the power of the enemy of each and every one in Jesus' name. Come and fill them with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse them deep inside. Give them that assurance that they are forgiven of their sins, that they are your sons or your daughters. Father, I pray that each one will leave this place with such joy, knowing they're a child of God and heaven is their eternal home. We bless them. We thank you for them. And thank you that the work you've started in them, you will bring it to completion until that final day. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. A team, can I ask us please to get busy? We need men with men and women with women here, please. So if you are a deacon in the church, if you're an elder in the church, or if you're part of the prayer ministry team, can you please come forward? And please, men with men and women with women where possible. But just come and pray for these individuals. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Phil. And uh, I just want to say it's been a huge privilege to be with you this morning. Thank you for your time and look forward to seeing you tonight. God bless you now. Amen, amen, amen. Um, we're going to keep praying. We're going to worship.
If your parents are here, would you please grab your kids? Welcome to come back in again if you want them. Would you say thank you to the kids' leaders, please? Just tell them loads of people are coming to faith and rededicating their lives to Jesus, and you appreciate them just minding your kids that extra bit of time. But uh, grab them and come back in, and yeah, let's see. Uh, officially, we're finished. I won't come back up again. Officially, we're finished, but you can stay as long as you feel, um, especially those who are getting prayed for. Let's uh, worship together, all right? Officially, we're done, but... See you. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.